0: Good morning, Church, and it is true that I do have COVID, um, so I'm stuck at home. In fact, getting this camera into our house was a bit of a, uh, it was like a ninja operation to make sure that nobody came into any contact. It actually felt like level five. When we started, um, I remember I needed to get a camera, but we didn't know what was legal and what wasn't, and so I went to uh, the Woolies in um, Windermere Center, and I parked right next to Justy, and we snuck cameras from one car into the other and he told me how to use it whilst we were shopping. It was, it was kind of like the dead of night sneaky plans. It kind of feels like that again as I'm in now like level 7 lockdown with COVID. I just want to say thank you to all of those who have sent me messages and prayers and care. I am doing really well. I think I'm on about day 6 and uh, and I'm good. But today we're going to speak about Hashtag RebuildSA. It's been so beautiful watching the RebuildSA hashtag, that, that whole f- trend, build traction. And uh, it it describes so much of the South African heist and the resilience and the the way that South Africans get back up and rebuild and the heartiness of South Africans it made me so proud. But one of the things that it's, it's done for South Africans, I don't know if they're aware of this, is it's put them slapped bang, into the will of God. Let me explain. In Isaiah 61, there's this prophecy. In fact, it's the first scripture that Jesus uses, and it says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. To all who mourn in Zion, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning of praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. This is beautiful. And then here's the big line. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted. Now, this isn't the only verse on rebuilding. In fact, there's a promise in Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is all about rebuilding. It says this, that those who are known as the lords will be known as rebuilders of walls and restorers of homes. The, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are entirely and completely devoted to rebuilding of a city. This theme of rebuilding, it, it goes right the way through the text. There are about 43 verses on rebuilding. We see the rebuilding of temples, rebuilding of cities. We see the rebuilding of worship. We see the rebuilding of temple thinking and worship. We see in Christ a rebuilding of true worship and spirit and truth. We, we end the Bible with this rebuilding of the earth and the city coming down. Rebuilding is part of God's plan. And I think a whole group of people stumbled into God's plan for their lives. So if you're visiting with us, we said over the last few weeks, we, we said that we want to tell you how to get into God's plan for your life. And we, we have this house structure, which we obviously don't have today. But the house structure represents the parameters or the boundaries of God's will for your life. It's the generals of God's will for your life. And what we, we said is that it is God's will for your life that you become like Jesus. It is God's will for your life that you live a life of worship. That's not a song lifted high. It's a life laid down. It's a, it's a sense of submission to Christ. It's God's will for your life that you make disciples. It's God's will for your life that you build the church. It's God's will for your life that you manifest the kingdom. It's God's will for your life that you're led by the Spirit. And what we said is, when you live within those parameters and those constraints, that's where the magic happens. That's where where God moves powerfully and gives you promptings and leads you and, and guides your life. And so I want to talk About one more aspect of God's will for your life. It it actually fits into that manifesting the kingdom aspect. I want to talk about rebuilding cities. Now this is, rebuilding cities is, it's a promise, it's an instruction, it's a design throughout scripture, and it's a revelation to Olive Tree. We as a church, we, we said right in the beginning, we don't want to build a big church. We want to transform and pastor a city. And so, Our whole plan, our desire has been how do we put churches into every suburb so that we can begin to think about and transform areas within our city. Our heartbeat is to have city impacted, impacting sites and church plants all the way through Durban that begin to transform them, form them. So when I speak about rebuilding the city, even though I have COVID, I'm deeply passionate about it and probably keep my, my blood Pulse going flying in my oximeter or whatever that thing's called, probably in, in like deep concern spaces. But what we said right in the beginning is we said that when most people think of God's will for their lives, they're thinking about where I should live, who I should marry, how many kids I should have, or maybe there are already too many kids in the world. They're thinking about what job I should do. But when God thinks about His will for your life. He's thinking these boundaries. And if you aren't living within the boundaries, you should consume yourself with getting into those boundaries and making your life about those things we listed, about becoming more like Jesus, about making disciples and and living a life of worship. You you need to consume yourself with that. Get yourself into the building. Because as I said, that's where the magic happened. Now today... As I dive into this rebuilding the city, I want to look at Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is potentially the clearest of all the books of the Bible when it comes to how God sees a healed city, what he dreams the city could be, how to go about restoring it, what leadership's required, what injustice has to be dealt with, how you think through a restoration of a city. It's all in the book of Nehemiah. And so I'm going to kick off in Nehemiah 1 verse 2. It says this, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burnt with fire. This is Durban a few weeks ago. The the walls have been destroyed, and most of it has been burnt down. It It has been looted and wrecked. Nehemiah hears this, and he begins to fast. In fact, all of the rest of the chapter is a prayer he prays, a prayer of repentance and calling on God's grace to come and restore. And then it ends with this beautiful verse. It says this, I was the king's cupbearer at the time. I love this one-liner. It, it could be my favorite part of the book of Nehemiah. I was the cupbearer at the time. He was the waiter. He was the guy who, who poured wine. In fact, if, if we were to give this book another name, we would say, Nehemiah, the waiter who changed the city. Nehemiah, the waiter who rebuilt Jerusalem. He was insignificant. In fact, if we were to vote on who was least likely to transform a city, it was the waiter. You know, when we think about how we're going to change a city, most of us go, I don't have the position, I don't have the influence, and I don't have the power. We limit ourselves by our position and influence. But the thing we've got to know is that God only limits us by our faithfulness. We limit ourselves by our position and power. God limits us by faithfulness. Let me me try and explain why. When we think about how you can transform a city, the way we think is if I was a very wealthy businessman or if I was a politician or if I was a leader in that space or if I was the CEO or if I had the position, because we understand that with position comes power and if you want to transform anything, you need power. We think if I had the position, I could make the difference. God, who is all-powerful, who is immutable and changing, whose grace is unending, whose wisdom never stops, God, who is in himself, all things with all power and all strength, looks at us and, and I think he goes, Really? You think I can't use you because you don't have enough power? I'm the one with the power. I have the ability to use you. I'm not looking for you to have power. I'm looking for you to be faithful. Nehemiah, the faithful waiter. It's, it goes on. And it says in, in verse 2.11, it says, So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. And then it says these words, I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. I had not po- told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. I want to submit to you that when there's a problem in the world, God looks for a man who is faithful, not necessarily powerful, a man who is faithful to put a plan into his heart. Let me let me try and back this up. When God wanted to start the world again, he put a plan into Noah's heart to build a boat. When God wanted to create a nation out of all the nations that had turned away from him and rebelled against him, he put a plan and a promise into Abraham's heart to create a new nation. When God was wanting to restore the city of Nineveh, he put a plan into into Jonah's heart and a message to go and preach there. When God wanted to save Israel, I mean, save Egypt from seven years of famine, he put a plan and a promise into Joseph's heart and he rescued them. Whenever God wants to deal with problems in this world, he looks for a, pl- a person who is faithful that he can put a plan into his heart. This is how God thinks. He's looking for the faithful because he wants to put the plan into our hearts. When all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God revealed a person, Jesus, who he showed the plan of God through. The plan that God had put into Jesus' heart to come and die on a cross for us. God's answer to every problem in this world is to put a plan into someone's heart. Now, here's why this is so important. When most of us had a problem, the way we think about it, when we see a flood, we pray that God will stop the rain. When we have a famine, we pray that God will start the rain. When when we see a crisis in the country, we we pray and ask God where he wants us to move to. We always pray for rescuing from situations instead of power within situations. We don't pray for a plan. We, We pray for Rescuing, We pray that God will get us out. And the reason for that is that we don't understand the power of God given to the faithful. I want to kind of dive into this a little bit. Because God's response is always to put a dream, an idea, a plan into people's heart that will transform the economy and the social sector and arts and entertainment and technology and education. His plan is to put a plan into our hearts that will rebuild a city. God has a hashtag rebuild Durban plan for you that isn't limited by your position or your lack or your last bad decision. In fact, the only force capable of limiting the infallible grace and infinite power of our immutable God is our faithfulness to what's in front of us. I was reading through this book of Nehemiah and I got to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is arguably the most boring chapter in the entire Bible, maybe other than the names in Leviticus. Chapter 3 goes through person after person after person, and and all it does is it names the person or the family that rebuilt a certain stretch of the wall. When you look at how God used Nehemiah, he put the plan into his heart. Nehemiah then went to the king. The king gave him his blessing. He went and recruited people, and they started rebuilding Jerusalem based on Nehemiah's vision. But the way they had to do it was they had to take the wall in front of them and rebuild it for themselves. Everyone was faithful to the wall in front of them. Not everyone, but the list of Nehemiah 3 is all those who are faithful. Now, I was thinking to myself, why would God devote an entire chapter to listing names Of people who built a wall that's subsequently been pulled down again and again and again. Why name them? And I realized because God notices every time we rebuild stuff for his kingdom. God noticed even if it got torn down. God noticed when you got up and you served them again, even though they laughed you off. God noticed when you started a business because you wanted to employ people and it got taken away and then you got up and started again. He notices every time that you do things for his glory and he writes them in the book of life. Because God honors every effort we make to rebuild. It's how he thinks. It's who he is. It's what he does. God is looking for people who will put up their hand and say, the wall in front of me, I'll rebuild. Now I want to quickly just speak to Olive Tree at the moment in terms of our ministries and things that we're doing. In our faith and workspace, we're looking to rebuild in a few different ways. We want to find uh, companies that have been looted and destroyed, and we want to try and help the workforce with food. We want to raise up an army of skill sets. To go into some of the factories of mid to small sized businesses that can't get up again. We, we're trying to get an army of people who we can send in to help at cost or at minimum cost to people. We want to try and rebuild the city. We want to get involved. In fact, Faith at Work is going to have presentations on where the insurance money is going to be spent and how to access some of that so that we can kick businesses into action because we want to see people begin to get jobs again. We we want to raise up an army of counselors. Last Thursday, we had a meeting with counselors, and what we realized is the mental health in the city is so bad, we need to rebuild it. And so we need anybody who can take a step and build the wall in front of you and just begin to restore. We, we have heroes in our city, like um, Dan and Rachel Smithers from Key of Hope, who literally go to 2,000 homes a week. They do 2,000 home visits. And we're trying to get 600 parcels of food. They were supposed to go out this Saturday. They'll hopefully go out next Saturday. But every time you get involved with one of these things, what you're doing is you're saying, I will take responsibility for the wall that is in front of me, and I will rebuild the city. And when you you do that, you are being faithful. And God is looking for faithful people who he can put his power on. Every time you invite someone to your life group who's disconnected and struggling with mental health issues and feels lonely, you, you're rebuilding the city. When when our doctors, and there's so many doctors in our congregation, when our doctors served for hours and hours and hours to keep people alive, they were rebuilding the city. When when people in schools go will even though there's lockdown, we'll we'll go the extra mile. What they're doing is rebuilding the city. We have to build a church that is faithful to rebuilding the city, because if we're faithful to rebuilding the city, God will empower us. Now, here's what I want you to know. If you're faithful, you will get resistance. The book of Nehemiah really is a book of a man facing resistance. The the first thing that, that happens when he gets there is that Sanballat begins to mock him. And he says, please, you can't rebuild the wall. If a fox walked on it, it would all fall down. And in Nehemiah chapter 6, it says this, when the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Jeshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Oh, no, you don't want to go to Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Now, let me try and bring this to a close. God, who is all-powerful, is looking for faithful people who will be faithful with rebuilding the city with what's in front of them. If that's you today, it literally could be your neighbor. It could be sharing the gospel with a friend. It could be rebuilding the culture in your work. But whatever is in front of you that forms the fabric of the city, God is looking for faithful people who he can empower. And Satan, his entire goal is to distract you Your purpose. Satan uses Sanballat and Geshem and he, he uses them firstly to mock, then to threaten, then to distract. He comes after Nehemiah through these guys. They're almost a picture of Satan in the Old Testament. And as he comes after them, he will come after you, which is why this is such a profound verse. Nehemiah says, I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down to you. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? I'm carrying on a great project. I have a great work to do. Why should I come to you? Talk to the hand. This is what he said. Now, friends, I think Olive has the heart to rebuild the city. In fact, I think the Church of Durban is beautifully set up. When you look at the the amount of food that's going out, when you look at the number of people who are trying to rebuild businesses in Durban, when you look at the heartbeat of the city right now, the Christians are actually rising to the surface right now. But the one thing that Satan will try to do is he'll try to distract us from our faithfulness. If he can stop us from being faithful, if he can threaten us with what people say about the city with the way corruption's happening around the country, with the way the economy is going, if, if he can distract you and he can start to intimidate you, he will do everything he can to stop you be, from being faithful because he knows that if you're faithful, God will empower you. In church, we need an empowered community in this season. Satan knows if they get empowered, I don't stand a chance. And Jesus knows, I can only trust you if you're faithful. And so this is what I want to ask you for. I want to ask you that over the next little while, you'll begin to make a list of the wall that's in front of you. It might be like Grant Hazel feeding people in Nanda. It might be like my wife who tried to get the uh, Phoenix fraternity to do a back-to-school campaign for black kids coming into Indian schools. It could be just that you're working to help the poorest of the poor within your work community. It could be that you're coming on feeding schemes. It could be that you serve in our faith at work or one of our ministries counseling. It could be that you build a life group. It could be that you just do coffees with people in your road who are struggling, but rebuild the city. Now, what's fascinating as I end this entire story, what is fascinating about this book of Nehemiah, is that though he rebuilds the city, it still remains broken. The story of Nehemiah is an incredible success in that the walls are restored, the temples restored, worship comes back, but the fabric of humanity remains broken, and so Israel failed again. In fact, the book ends with Nehemiah virtually tearing his hair out. The Gospels begin... With John the Baptist saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The Gospels then go on to tell the story of the true rebuilder. Here's what I want to say to you. If you rebuild the city with faithfulness, God will be all over it. But you have to know this. If you do it without him at the center, without the gospel as the message, without it driving and shaping you, it will land up like Nehemiah. In Jerusalem, a man tearing his hair out because it's broken again. Our role as a church is to do good deeds that shine for the world to see, to feed and do all the things I've been speaking about. But above all it's to preach the kingdom of God is here, to tell people about Jesus who died for sin And came to rescue them and bring them back into relationship with the Father. And lead them into repentance and shifting their hearts. Because without that, Durban cannot change. Now, as you go, I'm asking you to do a couple of things. One, be faithful with where you're at. Two, preach the gospel. And three, live in this promise. I'm going to read a promise of you to end. It says this. If you will rebuild the city, your light will shine out of the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. That's an enlightened life. The Lord will guide you continually. That's a guided life. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. That's an overcoming life. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. That's a protected life. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer, giving you water when you are dry and satisfying your soul in drought. That's a satisfied life. You'll be like a well-watered garden. That's a full life. Like an ever-flowing spring. That's a sustained life. You'll rebuild the deserted ruins of your city. That's a life of purpose. To put it in my language, if you do these things, if you rebuild the city, You'll be uncrushable. Darkness won't drown you. Drought won't starve you. Corruption won't hurt you. The economy won't limit you. Crime won't overcome you. Pressure won't stop you and boredom will never rule you. You won't be dull or fragile or emaciated. When you get hurt, you'll heal. When you get knocked down, you'll be lifted up. When someone comes at you from behind, you'll be protected. When your, when your life, your life will be one of breakthrough. You'll be felt and heard and alive. There will be a glint in your eye and a spring in your step. Your voice will be heard. Your creativity will be noticed. Your hard work will make a difference. And through you, God will establish the city. I pray that your life will be one of faithfulness to the gospel and to building his city. And you will live in this promise. May God bless you.